New on CuriosityStream, uncover engineering secrets from history's greatest masters. From the mysteries of the first man-made waterways to the building techniques of the early Americas, it's ancient engineering. Plus, 40 tons of trucks speeding down the interstate can be a recipe for disaster. See how today's smarter new age big rigs pave the way for safer highways on high-tech trucks. Watch now on CuriosityStream. Annual plans are $20, just $1.67 a month. Visit CuriosityStream.com. Okay, everybody, we're live with the Canadian Real Estate All-Star Live Show! Holy welcome, cow. Welcome, welcome, welcome. everybody. Hopefully, you can, uh, you can enjoy this panel here of extraordinarily astute real estate experienced gurus. Can, we, can I call all of you gurus? Do you guys, are you comfortable no. with gurus? No. I, am I in the right place here? You are. You are the genie of we, the group. We we officially we officially have more people on our uh, panel than we actually have in the live chat. So Perfect. this is good. This is a good start. We're, we're gonna get going. All right. So we got a great uh, podcast tonight, and this is gonna be recorded. We're going live. We love these live shows. Lots of feedback. So uh, right now we're not talking to anybody. But when you get out there, oh, there's Steve Karish. Let's go, Steve. Pump us up with some comments. Uh, I'm going to do some introductions, left to right, left to right. So we got uh, Emma Pace here on the far left, top producing agent over at Zucasa, prop tech extraordinaire company. Uh, so she's going to have lots of uh, benefits and, and added, uh, you know, details on, on that side of the business. Santos Sessa from Team Sessa, leading stats man on YouTube. Check out his channel. Lots of great info. Scariest Not only guy myself. on YouTube. Not only myself. Scariest but, guy. Uh, yeah. Why am I so scary? No, he's the most honest up That's front That's right. Guy. Those lets, stats are getting a little, a little nasty. Uh, he lets us know. Yeah, Daryl and myself, uh, who, you know, unfortunately had to be part of this for technological reasons. we got Tom Story, media mogul, YouTuber, social media broker extraordinaire here from Toronto. And Art Dadson, our leading tech expert out in New Brunswick. And you know what I figured, Art? You you have done more transactions sight unseen than any other Canadian real estate agent probably ever. Okay. I don't see well, how anybody has proud. sold as much real estate as you from the, whose clients don't even go inside the property. So that's going to be great to hear from you too. And uh, awesome. thanks for joining us today, guys. Happy to, Happy be, to be here. Yeah, Happy for sure. to be here. We're not coast to coast, but we're coast to Ontario. So that's kind of cool. Um, lots going on, obviously, out there in the market right now. It is not a fun place to be if you make your living off of real estate. Although I imagine for some people, things are busier. Art, you've always got a smile on your face. What's going on out east there? Oh, my God. I, I've been so busy the last couple of weeks, especially. People are realizing that they can still buy under the, the uh, medium average across Canada. So... We're getting a huge influx here. The phone doesn't stop, which is great. And are these investors for the most part? Oh yeah, always oh, investors. Always investors. So where, where, where's like our mm-hmm. price point right now in New, New Brunswick? Where what's our average price for an investment property right now? Uh, well, we are seeing we are seeing some drops, and that's mostly because it's becoming more of a leaning more towards a buyer side now. So the buyers have a slight advantage. So the prices are coming down a little bit. I would say you could still pick up a four unit for hundred K a unit. Pretty easy. What, what about cap rates? What are you seeing right now? Cap rates out there. They must be going up. I've seen some pretty sweet deals in Ontario yep. lately. Yep. They're definitely going up. I mean, in the middle of the summer, we were probably, sorry, in the middle of the winter, we were probably four to five and now we're six, seven range. Who, who can get a so, six to seven cap rental in, in Toronto? Anybody? Anybody know any Toronto investment? No. No. Tom, no. when was the last time you saw a six cap in, in, in Toronto? Well, I mean, cap oh rates God. assuming no mortgage, right? So with the rates going up, you can have higher cap rates, but, you know, that's it's not exactly, exactly right. what it seems. But no, like if you see anything with a three and a half in Toronto, you're like, oh, that's pretty decent. Right. Yeah. That, that actually makes it onto the list of like, keep looking. 
crazy, right? This whole thing is just a crazy mess right now. So like we're supposed to be heading towards affordability. What, what, what does anybody feel like things are getting more affordable for their clients out there? No, cash I mean, I think, Emma, yeah, cash yeah, buyers. Yeah, for sure. I was going to say, I think cash buyers for sure. But um, it's kind of like, uh, you know, it's like the equivalent of one bedroom plus dens on paper um, or someone calling a, you know, two bedroom plus den a three bedroom right now. It's like, it looks really good on paper with the prices, but when you actually break down the numbers and you look at it, it's not really any more affordable, right? So it uh, looks pretty sexy uh, when you look at prices and you say, I'm just going to continue to wait for prices to continue to come down. But, um, you know, especially for the mortgage guys that are on here now that uh, people are being stress tested higher. I think at the beginning, it actually kind of made sense for people who are still going variable. Prices are coming down and you're not being stress tested. So your affordability didn't actually change. Now with this most recent hike, your affordability actually does change because now you're being stress tested higher. And I think a lot of people have, that hasn't really, sunk in for a lot of people um and so i think all of these people are still under the impression that their affordability is the same as prices continue to go down and it's like no no we just actually breached the threshold where everybody if you're going on the variable side has actually had a deduction and so these further rate hikes I, i'm sure art you can speak to it as well but these further rate hikes will further reduce affordability. And so I think it's a, you know, for certain segments of the market, a little bit of a gamble. Like I only see there kind of being three outcomes right now. It's, you know, if rates continue to go up and prices come down, your affordability comes down. So do they both come down at the same level, in which case you're no, you know, you know, no better off or no worse off. It's the same thing. Um, if rates go up and prices come down quicker than your affordability, technically you win, but if rates go up and prices come down, um, you know, and they don't go down as quickly as your affordability does with the rates, then you lose overall, right? And I think uh, people are just not actually looking into the finer details. They're just looking into like the sexy headlines of prices are coming down. They're not actually paying attention to the full picture. Amen. Yeah, absolutely. Right. So I mean, no, no one's crunching it. Santo, how many all yeah. cash buyers do you have kicking around right now? <laughs> You know, it's it's funny that you say that because uh, I, I do have a couple of cash buyers, but just a, a little bit more on what Emma says. In principle, a lot of people understand what she says, but they don't apply it. And it, it's I just see it with, with the people we're looking with or the, the working with or the phone calls that we get um, and, and the buyers that we're working with. They get it. We've discussed it. We've talked about it. But there's lots of people that, you know, rates go up. You know, I'm okay paying an extra 1% on my mortgage if I'm getting the home for 300000 less. They're okay. But it goes up another 1%. Our price is going to go down another 300 or they're only going to go down 50. And and then it's like, ooh, am I okay? And, and so this is kind of why a lot of buyers are just kind of deer in the headlights attitude of just what do we do? And it's, it's really a confusing market these days right now. And, and sellers, they see their neighbors selling and selling low. And but some of these are, are panic sellers and, and they have to sell. And then there's the seller that doesn't have to, and he's on the market or she's on the market and just a few doors down, this person absolutely has to sell and you'll see the quick price reductions and then boom, it's sold. And then the other seller who's thinking, you know, I'm selling first. I don't have to sell, but I want to. And now there's a new precedent that's really low. And this is what we're seeing out there. Properties staying on the market longer or others selling quickly at low prices. And it's, it's really tough to, to understand for a lot of people, everything. You got interest rates, you got the headlines, um, you know, it's just a ton of information. It, it's like, it's coming out of a, uh, out of a fire hose at you. And who do you listen to? What's going on? What do we do? A lot of people are confused out there these days. Canadian real estate show. That's where you got to go. The that's Canadian where all the answers real are. estate Sundays, four o'clock, all the answers. Well, so, 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 but what, what do you, I mean, it, it's no secret that things are falling apart. So, I mean, if you, if you see somebody's houses for sale, you, you have a pretty good idea that they have to be for sale. So now, you know, if you're the buyer's agent, 
your job is to kind of use that to your advantage, right? And and, and so how, how long for like the rest of the people on the street or for the sellers, are, are they able to like shrug off that that's an anomaly? Like they... They had to sell. We're not. We're not going to count that sale for when we're wanting to sell. We don't have to sell. We just want to sell. Like is, you know, the the sellers cherry pick. The sellers cherry pick when prices were going north. They'd say, "Well, that home sold for that price. Mine's better." And let's just assume that it is better. Mine's better. It's a superior home. I should get more because it's a superior home and. I should get more because the market's going up. And they were very adamant to point to that house that sold. They don't want to do that anymore. Right. <laughs> so when the I precedent, was set, going, <laughs> when the precedent was set going up, they were, you know, that home. Now you point and you say that home, they're quick. Yeah, but they were forced to sell or, or you know, this or that. And it's it's still the precedent and the buyers don't always know the background story. They just see that home sold for 1.2. Why are you at 1.5? Makes no sense. You need to come down to 1.2 or so, less. Right. Yep. So, so Tom, do you find in your presentations now that you're trying to convince the sellers uh, like to, 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 actually follow the data that's there right now rather than i mean there must be strong sentiment on the sales side that like this is still worth what it was maybe not february peak but like the week after peak my house is still worth right i i think you'd actually be surprised like i had two listing presentations today and the sellers that i'm talking to and putting stuff on market now they're not delusional like they get it like, it's not like we're one month into this. Like, we're this is five months of prices dropping. People know about the interest rates. They Whether the news headlines are scary or not, they do know. So I think what we saw for the last four months is you had the people that bought in February, March, April at the peak or, or high prices that then needed to sell. And they had to sell for those prices that didn't make sense. But everyone coming to the market now, like, if you're testing the market, terrible time to go on the market. Like I think most people that are coming to market are actually trying to sell. And actually the metric we've been tracking, which I also did back in 2017 when we saw a dip in the market, was if you look at the properties that change their prices, that price change, how long did it take after the most recent price change for them to sell? That's what we've been looking after. And what percentage did they have to change the price to then sell? Because in different markets, like 10 grand in Toronto is nothing. 10 grand in other markets is a lot of money. So what percentage did they come down? And then how long after that price change? Um, because it's rarely right now, unless you price something bang on or it's in an area with low inventory still, to just get your price right away these days isn't happening anymore. You're negotiating a bit. So that's what we've been looking at. But I've got a lot of listings on market now. And of the eight we've got listed right now, we've got more coming out next week. Six of those eight people are, they want to buy, but they can't buy yet because they need to sell first. So it's like the issue we had at the beginning of the year, which was we'll go buy first because you don't want to chase the market up if you sell first, is now just the flip. And even though we've had five months of, of the market slowly changing here, it, it did kind of feel like it just went from like one end to the, uh, to, at least to the middle very quickly without that time in the middle. But, uh, I've got an offer on one of my condos right now. Like I'm going to have to get out of here in a sec to take a call and I'll come back. Like things are happening. It's just taking four times longer than it did in February. And if you didn't participate in the last two years, does it really matter right now? Unless you're trying to exit the market. If you're staying in the same market, it's kind of relative. The, the woman I met with tonight, she's moving to Ottawa. I was like, your place is worth 60 grand less than maybe you could have gotten in February. She's like, I don't care what I'm buying in Ottawa is also down, right? So I think most people that are educated understand, but then there's that segment of the market, the person that bought in February with a variable rate without understanding what rates we're going to do, that's not going to be a pretty picture for a little while. Um, I'm hoping those people financially are in a good place, but it's I think it's a smaller portion of the market than than some people would would want it to be or, or think that it is. Right. So so. Now, okay, so obviously there's a, a correction going on in the market. There's no doubt about that. 
it, it's weird. Like you'll you'll read in one place, you know, prices are down forty percent here, thirty eight percent here, twenty percent here, and then you'll get a report saying, you know, overall Canadian market's going to be down fourteen percent for the year, and like that doesn't make any sense. And then you get RBC coming out saying, you know, this is going to be the the craziest downturn of all time or or the worst or i forget the wording it's it's on the thumbnail it was his, historic, historic historic correction right, right. so yeah. okay so in my ask, ask, ask santo about about numbers just quickly so july right i saw some preliminary yeah. numbers for july and they're bad and there's some really there's some there's like there's the markets that change the most between february and june change the least in july and the markets that change the least in february to june change the most in july like there's a lot of downward pressure on Toronto. I would say and that. Places. Well, is that right? Well, I, I would agree with that. And it just seems that uh, almost like a, like a delay. So some markets came down really quickly, really quickly. And they're kind of still coming down, but not at the same pace. And then the other ones that didn't, just like you said, they're, they're, they're much more aggressive right now. And, and it's, look, prices are down and, when it comes to RBC, uh, CMHC, whoever you want to talk about, I mean, they've said a lot of things in the past, right? They've said a lot of things in the past. Who knows? Who knows? We Not know them. there's a, they don't there's know. a lot know, more. We know they don't know, right? Well, we, you know, they... how come we don't pull up, you know, every time they got it wrong? Yeah. You know, so I, I you know, when so, it comes to those stats, just my personal thing is, Okay, let's see what happens. Uh, when I put my data together, those numbers, those are the numbers now. That's a fact. The next day, it's it's all speculation. It's all speculation. So, and then you you get people out there that say uh, history doesn't repeat; it rhymes or some crap like that. And yeah, I, I, mean, I heard that. Yeah, yeah, but like. There, there are some that believe that what is going on in the world right now, like this is no ordinary correction. This is no ordinary dip. There are people out there, if you read our comment sections, that think that the world is ending, everything is going to crash, like everything is going to burn, and things will never be the same ever again. Um, yeah. Now, I mean... I think they I, get I, exposed to a lot of negative news, Daryl. Well, right? I think if you if you've been reading negative news and exposing yourself to like these like bits of literature or channels or uh, whatever Twitter feeds, you know, that have been negative the last few years, like I think you're you're just tainted, you know, you just can't possibly look at the bright side, you know, because anytime I watch anything like that, my whole perspective changes. I can't I can't watch that stuff. You know, you can't be always just focused on the negative. And there's lots of people in the comments who have been reading the negative stuff for a very long time. Well, there's a bunch of well, people that are it, licking it, their chops, waiting for this market to crash, yeah. and they're all excited to, to buy. Let's talk right. about that. Let's yeah. talk about that for a second. There's people talking about prices going back to caveman days almost. So yeah. let's say prices were to come down another 50% from where they are now. Because if, if you go through the comments, that's like a common thing. Oh, they got to go back at least half where they are now. I'm thinking half. So if they come down another 20%, do you not think some buyers, some investors, some people are going to think, wow, those are pretty low. I know right now a lot of buyers are on a sideline, but at what number, what percentage are they going to jump back in? And, and what's going to happen with access to money? I, I know right now what the Bank of Canada is doing, but how long are they going to do that for? And at what time? Are they going to have pressure to go the other way? Like there's so many unknowns and people think that they know, but you know, people thinking prices are going to go to 50% of where they are now. So at 30% is not a ton of people going to jump back in there. I just, I don't know. And if we're talking all of Canada, that's one thing, but when things go bad in all of Canada, where does everybody run to? I think the rental market is the is the best indicator right now of real domestic demand in Canada that we actually do have somewhat of a supply issue because otherwise everyone would have just put their plans on hold. We would have saw, you know, it was all speculators 
you know, non-domestic buyers coming from wherever, out of province, out of country, whatever it is. And when those interest rates uh, started to rise and the cycle started to tighten, we would have then seen, seen lesser activity in the rental market as well. But the rental market's going crazy. I know, you know, Tom, you've been talking about yeah. that a little bit. Other people have been talking about it. Like, obviously, these are all home buyers or home dwellers that need somewhere to live and that there is a significant amount of demand in Ontario and, and the rest of Canada, probably North America. The rental market is the craziest I've seen it ever. Um, we put out a rental yesterday at 5 p.m. I had a showing confirmed at 2.30 a.m. Like they weren't in there at 2.30, but someone booked it online at 2.30 a.m. <laughs> I love those guys. It was 14 showings by the time I woke up and two offers sight unseen. Like what's going on here? With, with, so and it's they're like paying the full like 12 months in advance, right? I think one of them was six months up front, <laughs> which you can't ask for, but people are offering. Yeah. It's everywhere right now without even seeing it because they're so desperate. Like, uh, it's crazy. So, so, but is every, yeah. every realtor now dealing with rentals? Like didn't most people stay away from <laughs> rentals cause they were a real pain in the ass and you made no money. Is everybody a rental guy now? You gotta no, help your clients. You gotta help your clients depending people on, on our team do doing. it. No. Yeah, for sure. I think certain people are, um, especially like if you're a newer agent and you're just, you know, trying to stay afloat in today's market, you're, you're doing what you have to do. Right. I think, um, there are other people that don't necessarily want to go down that route and go cool. Like maybe my business is a bit slower, but it gives me the opportunity to work on the things that I didn't have any time to work on from like a systems process, uh, systems and processes type of perspective. Like how do I actually just get better? And like, finally, I have a little bit of extra time to myself. Right. Um, but I also think to your earlier point about these rental prices, um, if you just kind of look at, you know, condos, it's like you have all of these people that otherwise have, you know, a cash availability that's getting eaten by inflation that wanted to buy in the semi or detached market, right? That go, hey, maybe that's not, maybe that's not feasible for me anymore. And then they're like, okay, maybe I should go rent. And then they're like, oh crap, the rental prices are really high. Maybe I should just buy a condo or a condo townhouse because it ends up being like the kind of lesser of two evils, right? hundred percent interest versus higher interest and maybe not my perfect house. And then it's like, you have these rental prices that are somewhat propping up the market. And then this downward pressure of people that are looking at this as a se like secondary alternative that they hadn't considered before. And so I think that kind of like entry level, um, home price across Canada is probably where we'll end up seeing some stability because you have the people that could have afforded more people's like desire to actually own a home hasn't changed. I probably have more people that I'm talking to now that are like, I'm finally excited. Like, I think this is like on the horizon The the desire for home ownership, I don't think it's gone anywhere. It's just the uncertainty and the fear has built up a little bit. Right. And so I think that kind of like middle ground, um, especially when we see the market have this strength in the rental market, like it doesn't make sense for a lot of condo uh, sellers to just panic sell. Why would you panic sell uh, if your cash flow positive right now? If you have the, the stomach the first to time in ages, in ages, for sure. So <laughs> mm -hmm. it's, you know, if you have the stomach, you may have not purchased the property with ever any intention of being a landlord. And you probably, it's like, again, lesser of two evils. And I feel like that's like the common theme of today's market. It's like, I don't want to be a landlord. I also don't want to take a massive discount on my property. I could make 500 bucks a month over here and not have to sell at a discount. That seems like the lesser of two evils. I'll deal with the tenant for a year or two years until this thing gets back to normal. And then, you know, it's not like we're seeing a massive pileup of inventory. The bio, the buyers that we're working with are like, we want to buy something like the inventory kind of sucks right now. Yeah, um, I know. So it's I think, frustrating. Again, you you got to look at <laughs> right. what's actually happening. It's like, I feel like the real estate market is just actually on vacation for the summer. It's not like we have a ton of activity going on and it's like, yeah, prices are coming down, but there's not like a bunch of new listings hitting the market. I think last week act like active listings actually went down. Right. So it's not like we see all these panic sellers coming to market and then there's no buyers. It's just like nothing's happening right now. Mm -hmm. what, what about our art? Are you seeing any difference in the rental market out there? Like, or deals with all investment uh, properties. So you're like the guy to right. talk to out there. Right. Yeah. The rental market is pretty stable now at this point. Everyone's sort of re reached the max. I mean, they brought in the, the um, cap, max cap increase over at January 1st of this year. So that's kind of leveled it out, even though it's a temporary measure. Mm -hmm. So we're not really seeing a change in prices. 
but we are definitely seeing a change in the demand, which ultimately is going to increase the price once these caps are taken off. For, for rental. So, yeah. yeah, exactly. So a lot of people are, they feel that it's not the right time to buy. So we're going to rent, we'll rent six months, 12 months, and we'll see what happens. Um, when, my, when my sellers are approaching me to sell their, either their single family home or their multi, but honestly, the first question I ask them is, do you need to sell right now? Can you hold on? Can you hold on for another year? Have a look. Another five years even? Does it need to be now? And then if it needs to be now, then we can start talking about, um, especially with the Maltese, we can start talking about doing VTBs, doing owner financing so that they can get a better price. If they're just going to throw it on MLS, then you know every week I'm checking comps and every week I'm going to have to say, okay, you're now the price the highest. We're going to have to lower. We're going to have to lower to keep up with everybody else. But if they're willing to do some owner financing, then they can get that better price. What a and different world at this with point. Owner financing and conditions yeah. and negotiations. Exactly. Exactly. We've had a few. We've had a few uh, VTBs lately on these shortfalls from appraisals. So we had a, we had a couple. Exactly. Some of them fell through. A couple of them I think are going through. But that's been the the issues that we're dealing with, right? Trying to cover these yep. shortfalls and weighing it out, taking people to court or putting it back mm-hmm. on the market and everything else. Sometimes to, to hold a fifty or hundred k VTB is the best uh, best speaking, option like we're speaking we're about starting the to see on the sale of the buyer's property too i haven't mm-hmm. seen the one yet i've seen the conditions come I, in i haven't I've, seen one accepted yet but i'm sure they're out there i've seen a couple what's that yeah. conditional on them selling their property on the buyer selling their property yeah There's and do an they escape clause and so forth and are people actually putting like a minimum price as part of that clause like selling their house for at least x no I mean, you could word it that way, but no uh, one I, usually does. Yeah. I mean, there's all sorts of different ways you go. I'm talking about seeing it uh, on a sold property as the condition that it's sold for, because there's an escape clause there. Yeah, I've yeah. not personally dealt in, in one yet in, in this cycle of the market, but um, I've seen it on a couple that have sold conditional and um, it's on the sale. The condition is that the buyer sells their property. Yeah. I got a couple of listings where we'd consider it. <laughs> You know, there's, there's, there's options there, you know, you never Sometimes, know, you know, the right, the right offer came in. Bring we, me we an offer. It. Bring me an offer. <laughs> we'll, Just we'll bring me an it. offer. Yeah. So, so we, so have we some... are seeing, yeah, we are ahead. seeing a lot of, a, a lot of appraisers come in, start to come in lower and lower and lower. We see that for sure. And, you know, like, like TK mentioned that that's a good opportunity to explain to your seller you know, do you want this price? Well, here's what it's now appraising at because they're being a lot more conservative and here's what the interest rates are. So this is what the payment's going to look like and ultimately affecting the cash flow at the bottom line. So let's talk about owner financing and also private lending is really coming in here in New Brunswick at this point. Everybody wants to be a private lender. All of those people who sold six months ago, seven months ago, when I said, now is the time, if you're going to do it, all of them are sitting on a mountain of cash and now they're coming in and saying, Hey, you know, I'm here. I'm willing to private lend. So things, they may look bad, but you just have to know how to spin it. You know, you have to know how to create that scenario and explain to people that it's not doom and gloom. It's just another way to buy real estate. Yeah. We just have to figure it out. Love it. Well, we, so we have a bunch of really great realtors here on the panel right now. I, of course, am not a realtor. I am not one of them, but the five of you are, you know, top, top shelf realtors. What, what advice do you have for some of the 70,000 other realtors in the GTA or in Ontario that, you know, just got started and are, you know, get, you know, getting started into a recession with rate hikes and the market just absolutely falling apart at the seams right now. You know, how, I don't know if any of you started your careers in down markets, but like this, this can't be an easy thing to, to, to get through if, you know, you have very little or no experience. Join a team immediately. I, I can say something there. Yep, exactly. Um, you, you know, I don't think anybody started or wanted to be a realtor based on the market. It's, it, it wasn't their choice. It, it's just the market is the market and there's always going to be people needing to buy needing to sell for whatever reason. And our job is to help them with the process. It's not to convince them to buy or sell. It's not to, 
uh, it's to help them. It's to, to offer a service. And right now with all the craziness going on, there's things that make sense and things that don't. And we really should be focusing on offering the best possible service, being that, that person that can give our clients the knowledge they need to make educated decision. Unfortunately, I'm going to foreshadow what, and I've started seeing already what I think could be happening and is probably going to happen. There's also going to be the kind of realtors that are not so focused on service, but gimmicks. They want to compete on, on all sorts of gimmicks to try to convince, because let's face it, if sales are down 30 to 40 in some neighborhoods down 50%, when I say neighborhoods, I don't mean small. I mean like whole areas, they're down 50% some areas. That's a, a direct correlation. That's a straight line to the realtor's income that their income is down 30 to 50% for a lot of people. And it's, it's the time to get better. And Emma touched on it earlier. It's the time to get better with your business and to maybe take that course that you wanted to take or, or couldn't. And, and it's the time to you yourself to get a, a lot of knowledge and to do a better job for your people because they needed it more than ever now. And so Tom, yeah, and I, I just, opinion. I want, Tom said, join say, a team. Echo that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Sorry. Yeah. I, agree. I think you ever Sorry, see like a, a dog that's obsessed with his owner and just follows it around everywhere. If you're a new realtor, that's you're the dog following around the team leader on every appointment. You're shadowing them. You're and you're surviving off leases in your first year in Toronto, at least, um, because you can have a friend that wants to buy, but they don't trust you yet in your first two years. It takes time to build that up. Um, I think it's gonna be the ones that can survive the next two years that will thrive after it, but it's not gonna be easy. Not not an easy market to to start. But yeah, well, <laughs> to that point, like I actually agree with both of you i don't think it's i definitely don't think it's an easy market to start but i think that you have to go into it with a more positive mindset because you can say there's been a lot of agents over the last three four years that have um maybe they had great habits and have let those things go like and now they're just like okay whatever i'm just gonna you know put my head in the sand let me know when things get better and if you're a new agent you shouldn't just be disheartened like oh bad timing, poor me, whatever. It's like, no, there's a bunch of people that have been in this industry for a while that you can leapfrog very easily if you just work harder than everybody else. And like Santo had said, like, just do the research, learn. You have, you have the time right now to be of better service, of better quality service than a lot of agents have been in the last couple of years. It's like deals were slapping people in the face. Now you didn't have to be that good to get a deal done. Right now you have to be great. Mm -hmm. yeah. So is, is everybody- the property. Yeah. Is everybody here on a team or lead a team or on a team or any solo artists here? No, everybody here is We've all been solo and we've all been on a team. So- I work for my wife. Yeah, join <laughs> join the club. Every, Santo. Everyone does. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I work for Santos. Yeah. You you are um, I work for Santos' wife too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so I, I think that's the main thing is this, this is a skill-based environment. And it's no longer just people going out there and slapping on 999 with an offer date and letting things happen. Yeah. Um, you know, art, I'm gonna get I'm gonna put some shining light on you right now. So in art's market, right? You got you know, Moncton, New Brunswick and surrounding areas, right? You've got all these great deals. And over the last two years, Art joined, Art became a realtor in 2020. Right, Art? late 2019, yeah. In 2019. Okay, mm -hmm. and this well, guy's what? already one of the top producing agents in New Brunswick. And he did it Good because he, he saw that an opportunity was that he was an investor. He's a very experienced investor. And he said, there's an opportunity for me to be able to go out and bring in Ontario buyers into this market because of the cash flow opportunities and everything else too. And the timing couldn't have been better because New Brunswick, you know, people woke up, right? Because of, because of the pandemic for investment properties and, and so forth. And, you know, he sold a lot of properties. And like I said, all through technology, you know, 360 tours, I won't get into the whole thing, art and spoil your secrets again, but he does everything <laughs> digitally and remote and, you know, we all might have heard a few of those happening during 2020, but it was rare, if at all. And this is like his everyday business, right? right. So he right. found a niche, he you. found something that he could stand out and he took down the big fish in New Brunswick. 
I won't mention mm-hmm. any names. Mm-hmm. Good for you. <laughs> Well, no, it's been a wild ride, that's for sure. But I am today. We spent basically the entire day restructuring our team. So over the last four or five months, I've been accepting all of these off-market deals without posting them as a backlog. So, and all of those sellers are prepared. They've all been given the the seller financing speech. Everybody's ready to go, just for this moment. So basically, over the next two or three months, I've got a huge backlog of off-market deals which I'm going to start presenting to my investors when MLS no longer makes sense. So, so one, one so, more thing here that these Toronto agents are going to be blown away by our, just so you know, okay. 90% of his deals, he does exclusively. He doesn't even use the MLS. No, That's a skills based environment that he took an opportunity and he said, how can I be successful in this market and develop the tools and skills to be able to succeed. And in Toronto, mm-hmm. the people who will survive this market are the people who step it up and find tools and build skills to succeed in this market, because there's mm-hmm. going to be transactions and there's going to be a lot of agents putting their head in the sand and saying, I can't handle it. And I I'm going to wait till this gets better. And the people who mm-hmm. build those skills are going to be the ones who survive and end up taking more market share. Right. Thinking outside the box. That's always the way. Good for you, Art. Well, so speaking of thinking outside the box, I mean, is is list to last still the winning strategy? Tom's looking yes. at me like I'm crazy. Yeah. Okay. Always. Yeah. Always. always. Collect as much inventory as you can at, at real prices, because as the market shifts, it, it always is better to have listings. Okay, so always. at real prices, that's great. And I see people talking in the in the chat here about under asking, over asking. So so let's talk about that a little bit because I personally don't give a shit about over asking, under asking. I want to know how realistic asking even was at the beginning, wherever we are in the market. So 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 tell me, like. Um, Sorry, oh, I, lost I lost my train you. of thought. Yeah, oh, I, I lost yeah. my train of thought there. Uh, <laughs> Over asking, under asking. I thought we froze. What's the real price, Daryl? No, but what, right. So you're saying real prices. Thank you. Like, what the hell is the real price? How do we measure real well, price in, in uh, any market? Yeah, tell me. What, if, not what somebody's willing to pay. That can't be the answer, though. Well, I mean, we just went through this a couple of days ago in a seminar that I was doing here in Moncton. You know pretty quick if you have a realistic price. Forget about first day on the market, second, third day. By the fourth day, you're going to know, am I way too high? Am I way too low? You're going to know, the, you're going to have those indicators. Now, right now we're in a bit of a flux and it's changing weekly, but it, it's not that, that difficult to price. What's difficult is the traditional way of creating a CMA and looking back over the last six months. That's all out the window now. Now it's kind of a real time assessment of what's going on. And I, I don't find it difficult at all. I find that within the first three or four days, you know, did I price it right, too low, too high? Because you're either going to get nothing, not a single call or inquiry, then that means you're way too high, or you're just going to be bombarded, which means you're probably ne- too low. So next time you adjust it a little bit. Well, knowing if you priced it right or wrong is one thing, but when you hear sold 400 over asking, and you know asking was like 500 under real realistic <laughs> right it doesn't matter right if you went 30,000 under asking but it was priced properly that means something i keep trying to get somebody to come up with a a a measure of like what is the actual value and that brings up all kinds of questions about appraisals and the whole system in itself but like but it's it's a personal thing value. I mean, what, what what you said? Don't tell me about what a person's willing to pay. But it is. It's what a buyer is willing to pay and a seller is willing to accept. That's for that moment the value. Now that buyer, you could have two buyers looking at the same property. One's thinking a hundred thousand less, and the other one's thinking of paying asking because it's two doors down from where their mother lives and she's going to help babysit their kids. So the perception of value is much more for that second buyer willing to pay asking price. It's that's what it is, unfortunately, or fortunately, that's to me, that's value. Sometimes when we go and put an offer on a property, you could look at the numbers, you could look at the markets and this is what makes sense. We should be priced here or we should be buying it here. But if some other buyer comes in and pays more, 
sometimes it's absolutely nuts. Other times the seller believes that it's here and it's not, but eventually, you know, you have a come to Jesus moment and you know, nobody's buying it at your price and you got to come down, but it is a personal thing. Buyers within the market, within the market. Yeah. Yeah. They, they're in charge. And if you see over asking Daryl, it's because the buyers want it that way. And when we stop seeing over asking, it's because the buyers don't want to play those games anymore. The sellers and the agents, we'd love to control that. We have no power. Buyers tell us what they want to do. And this is one of the reasons why I really like Maltese over single family homes, because Maltese are just by the book. It's on paper. Your property, if you're over five units, is not going to be based on comps. It's going to be based on performance. Your rents are X. You know, the cap rate is it. This is what your, your building is worth. There's not even any arguing about it. That's what I like. So it's, it's, re- it's, it's not as time consuming as trying to guess and figure out and feel out the buyers and feel out the sellers. It's, it's show me, show me your numbers. But so Art, what you're worth. do you not, you not miss the, the calls on closing date that said they changed the microwave before closing the shower heads different. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've missed those. Yeah. <laughs> I think my favorite thing we were talking about over asking stuff and I think TK said it well, like, the problem was when inventory was so limited, if you priced your house at a real price, people wouldn't show up. They were so used to the game. And now that there's more inventory, it's not working anymore. So you're not going to see the over asking stuff anymore because offer dates aren't really working. So most people are just are just listing at real prices. And that's what I kind of love so much about real estate. Like It doesn't matter what any of us think, anybody watching thinks. All that matters is what's that one buyer willing to pay on that one moment. And I guess that's market value. So we all are going to have our opinions. And sometimes as you probably like, it's never going to get that. And then they get it. And there's others I think are slam dunks and they sit on the market for a month. So the market gets to dictate. None of us have any real say in it. We think we do. And we try real hard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it's really true. Uh, so, so The public so- thinks we do. The, public's, the public thinks we do. That's the key is the public thinks that we have the control and the power and you're pricing them low. And how many times did you see people in the, in the crazy times, they would price it at the real price and then no one would make an offer. Then they would drop their price down 200 K and it would sell for the exact same price they had it listed at two weeks earlier. Right. Cause the buyer said, we don't want to play that real price game. We want to play over asking game. So it's, it's clear. And right now, if you underprice it, the danger of hiring somebody who doesn't have their, you know, finger, their, their finger on the pulse is they underprice it, expecting multiples. They don't get them. One guy comes in at asking or whatever. And then they think, well, I guess it's what it's worth. And, you know, there could have been a, a pricing issue um, or strategy issue. You, you know, Tom said something that I just want to touch on there a bit. There's a lot that's happening right now that is really it's hard to make sense of it. Tom said, you know, a property you think is going to be a slam dunk and it sits there. And then another one, you you think, ah, they'll never get it. And it sells fast. It's hard to make sense of it right now. And and the buyer mentality, you just right now is in such a flux. You don't know what's happening. And that's a tough thing. I mean, there's, there's property sitting out there, not getting any showings. And they're priced slow. And I, I could see it. I, I've had listings where I'm thinking, why is nobody going to see it? And we're lower than everybody else. And they're not going. And then others are busy. And it's really difficult these days. And the, the, the buyer's attitude is just, it's something else right now. I got to tell mm-hmm. you, it's something else. And property, it just, there's a lot of things happening that don't necessarily make sense. Mm-hmm. What do you guys, no, what do you guys think about not- the cooling down period in BC? I, I, I asked a bit about it. it. There's, there's a lot of it that doesn't make sense to me. I, I think it's, it's, I, I think it's a good thing. I don't understand it all in principle. I think it's a good thing. So, so it's like, you got a you get a cooling down period three days after you make your condition. And if you back out, you pay a quarter percent penalty. So on a million dollar deal, you got to pay a $2,500 fee, fee if you decide to back out of that deal. But this is only well, what relevant have, see, when What you're... I don't understand, what if you have a condition? How does that work? Well, no, that's why other it's than only relevant when you have no conditions. This would have been good a year ago. Now it's like, exactly. it's too yeah. late for something there's, like this. There's already a loophole around it. 
So you put in an offer with a condition and the condition shorter than the three day period. And then you like, you know, and, and it came to the market late where it's already cooled down. But I Steve Karish did a really good video on the new cooling off period. I would watch that. But the BC agents would have a better opinion on it than I think any of us would. Yeah, but in Ontario, like right how stupid would that be here? Right. Like how much would that mess up our market or New Brunswick anywhere? Right. Or imagine you got, you know, an offer that after everything's done and the buyer waives his conditions or it was a firm offer, whatever it is, you're not dealing with as many firm offers, I know. But all of a sudden, three days later, they're like, ah, eh, you know what? I don't really want this anymore. And they just get to move on, pay a quarter percent penalty. And the yeah. sellers who now get, have to who go gets back that to penalty. Who gets that penalty? The sellers must. Yeah. I was directed to the sellers. Okay. All right. So not through the agencies, anything like that. Nothing's like a, a, a broker's got to collect their 5%, you know, but Hey, so, but then doesn't that, I think house, it goes direct to seller. So doesn't the property end up with like a stigma? Like what happened with the last oh, sale for kind sure. of thing? For sure. So how do you deal with that kind of scenario? You forget about this, this whole three day <laughs> thing. Like just in general though, like, isn't that, isn't that a thing when a deal falls apart or a house doesn't sell right away? Isn't like one of the things you're stuck dealing with more often than not, like what's the matter with the house? Like what's going on here? Did somebody die here? Is it a is it a grow up? Like, why isn't this thing selling, or why did the last deal fall apart? You just blame it on financing. That's the way to do it. Yeah, <laughs> you never want to say inspection. And if you have a sold conditional on the MLS, hopefully the condition just says it's for financing or, or multiple conditions or whatever. But yeah, people don't want to hear that. Still be required to, uh, Are they still required to post the firm price? After it's firm, that that's an yeah. interesting before point. the cooling yeah. period. Oh, the cooling right? period. Oh, that's you know what firm. I mean? Because if it firms no way, up, it couldn't. Close, that's what I'm saying. So like, that it's would not be a very firm. Thing. That's not a yeah. firm it offer can't. with a cooling. No, there's no period. way that would be crazy. Yeah, yeah. Crazy. So to me, I'm like, like it's just another condition. It's it's a condition. Well, well no, with but there's a, a penalty associated. on it. It's like a conditional. It's like a condition with a fee associated, right? Absolutely. It's like a paid condition. Um. So it's. I don't know. It's it you bring up like a good a... point though, Emma. Like your point about posting sold prices, because a lot of these deals didn't close that we've been basing sale prices off of our appraisers. I wonder yeah. if we should take a page from the commercial book and no longer post pending sale prices until they've closed. Yeah, I know that. That's what uh, when you and I did the podcast, Tom and Steve had mentioned that it yeah. really got like my wheels spinning on that. And then when you guys mentioned this, I'm like, well, you post the the firm price, the guy backs out. Th- Three days later, everybody goes, oh, well, you know, I'll at least offer you, uh, you know, uh, what do you say? It was half a percent. I'll at least offer that because I already know that you've collected that. So let's start there uh, and then let's go down from there. Right. Um, so, it, it, yeah, it's interesting. I would definitely need to know it. You know, when you look at it in a vacuum, a buyer's like, this is awesome. Um, when you look at all the other variables, I don't really know how impactful it is. Like I had brought that up. When, uh, when prices were going so crazy earlier in the year, I was saying, well, what if we yeah, we didn't post the firm until it actually closed and everything was just pending? Uh, and then a few of my agent friends in the state said, we do that and our market's still going crazy. <laughs> so so maybe it would have slowed things down a little bit, but then you wouldn't have the true data. But I, is it true data until it closes? Oh. I don't know. No. I know, yeah, right? But, but, yeah. but when it closes, you're in a different market. I know that's the problem. But it is it, it moves so fast. No, but yeah. is that the problem, or is that like, like, I, I, I keep saying, like, what? Why do appraisers not hold any of the responsibility here? And and actually, I was thinking earlier today, why do the realtors have all the sales data? Shouldn't the appraisers have all that sales data? And shouldn't they be like holding on to it, like, like, they like do? No, no, no. They have access they have to access. it. But not a lot access. Of them are realtors. Like, yeah, but they realtors. didn't build the system, Daryl. No, I know, but this is part of the problem. Is the people selling the product are the only ones that really control the data, but the appraisers, the ones who are supposed to be the fail-safe and the double check, like for everybody, are just kind of like, what, what what's their input that they get? What what'd you pay for the thing? Right? And and somehow the appraisers on the way up, like everything lands on the purchase price, but on the way down, it's like, well, you know what? Like that's what somebody was willing to pay that day. So that's the value. 
Like, shouldn't there be some kind of a fail safe in there where the appraiser goes, listen, I don't give a shit that the, that the last guy who bought something was stupid at one six. That thing was worth one four. I don't care what's going on out there. This is the value of the property based on like normal, realistic metrics. But I guess but that's still just one person's opinion being thing. different than another person's opinion, right? It's data. It's data. It's data. It's data. But you can tell whatever story you want with data. It's true. Yes, I have seen some CMAs and some some appraisers that uh, have <laughs> been uh, their their choices have been interesting. Let's let's leave it at that. Okay, guys, it has been a wonderful hour. This has been super insightful and an I'm, hour already. I know it's been an hour already. This this panel could probably talk forever, but but this this last question will probably lead to quite quite a bit more time. I want everybody's opinion on what's going to happen in the short term in the Canadian real estate market given what we know at the present moment. Your your prognostications uh will start I don't know if this is still politically correct but we'll say women first, ladies first. I don't know if that's cool anymore. Depends what, on what are we considering short term? Well, like let's let's year? say yeah, by yeah, the, by the end of with, the year. Let's not go down that rabbit hole. Yeah, by the end of the year. By um, the end of the year. I think we I think September 13th is the next Bank of Canada rate hike, right? So, I think that'll be one big catalyst the that seventh, will that could is it the 7th? Can remember 13th, 7th, somewhere in and around there. Um so I think that'll be an interesting data point that could either go for or against my argument, but um, I think August is going to be dead. Uh, I think we're going to see a little bit of an uptick in traditional fall market style, not anywhere close to what we traditionally see. And then I think the market falls off the face of the earth, especially if we see the rate hike happen in September. I think we have a very cold winter, not, necessarily price wise i just don't think there's going to be like anything that happens winter i think the activity coming. is going to be very slow That's winter's my, coming winter i think winter's coming. coming i think we have a good hello good john snow new things to look at but uh <laughs> i think if we see a rate hike in september and october um there's actually someone told me that they had never done a rate hike uh because it's it's september october and then december i thought it was always the 13th i don't know why uh, but someone had mentioned to me that Bank of Canada has never done a rate hike on the December announcement ever. And I was like, I need to fact check that. I don't know if that's actually true if you look back. So um, I want to go back and look at the historical data to see if that's ever actually happened. But someone mentioned that to me the other day and I was like, hmm, interesting. So um, I think September and October will be interesting. But I think if we get the rate hikes um, that we expect, I think we're in for a very slow winter on our side of things but again just put your head down and do the work death of winter for the rest of the year says emma mr mr santo what do you think i think between now and the end of the year i i would say maybe another 10 percent or, or so in lower prices is what I would say. I would say we will see an uptick in September, an uptick based on what we're doing now or in August, which I got to tell you is not saying much, like volumes are so low. Sure. So um, yeah, it'll be a little bit more, but it'll still be historically low yeah. in September. Sales, they'll come up a little bit, but I see prices maybe coming down the majority of the 10% I'm talking about, I'm guessing will come. I'm, I'm saying I'm guessing because it's everything is so crazy. Um, most of that will come down in August. And then I think September to the end of the year, I'm expecting prices to kind of level off. If they come down, it won't be by much. And a, a big part of my reasoning is lots of people that are looking to buy. And there are many serious buyers still. They're just kind of holding off they are pre-approved if they're a serious buyer and they're locked in and uh, their mortgage rate is on hold. Uh, and we've got one and now two uh, and it's coming up in September, major rate hike. I, I think, I think some of these people are going to jump in, jump on board and, and buy something between now and Christmas. That's what I think. Mr. TK, what do you think? And I'm going to answer it very differently just to be different because that's just how I do things. I think that the interest rate hikes are going to outpace the price declines. And I think we will be even more unaffordable for the rest of this year. 
So yeah. now may be the time, depending on your situation, to get in if you're looking at a fixed rate. If if you're getting in now, though, because we did the math last week on like a million bucks in February is thirty five hundred dollars on a twenty five or twenty five year amortization, twenty percent down, uh, two point five percent fixed rate in February. Eight fifty yeah. today is thirty nine hundred a month, so it's four hundred more for one hundred fifty less. But your down payment was thirty thousand dollars less. Yeah. But if you buy, if you take a fixed rate, do we think, do we think variable rates are going to be at 5% for the next five years? Mm. No, no, I don't know. At some point they're going to come down. So it's like, if you're going to buy now, do you take the fixed at 5% for five years or do you, or do you ride the variable? Cause it's probably going to shoot down again, but we just don't know when the heck that's going to happen. Maybe yeah. if you're expecting the variable to go a little bit higher and into like a it will scary have to stay high. First. It have to stay high, three point eight right now, and then you're gonna you know have to get up pretty high to catch up to the fixed rate. What a game of chicken, eh? It's three like, months, yeah. It's but like chances really, are it'll it'll come back down. But anyways, my, I'm sticking to my story. Yeah, more st- less affordability coming to a market near you. I think that makes sense, Tom. By the end of the year, where are we at? Yeah, I mean, this is going to sound like deja vu because it's already been brought up by the panelists. But like, I, I don't want to talk about Canada. I don't know the other markets in Canada. I think it'd be silly of me to try and guess. Canada's big and has a lot of very different markets. Um, Toronto, it's going to get worse before it gets better. I agree. I think two months more in a row, we're going to see prices decrease. I then think we'll see a stabilization in terms of just it won't drop anymore by like late September, October. And then we'll flatline to the rest of the year. It'll just be like this. Um and then who knows what next year is going to be because we were all terribly wrong about what was going to happen this year. Um, all I know is that regardless of what's going on with interest rates and scary news headlines is that some people just need to move. Some people have bigger families. Some people get jobs. Some people lose jobs. Some people have their family members pass away and have to like people move in every single market. Um, there's just going to be less of the speculative speculation buyers, which is probably a good thing overall. And if you look at the markets that went up 80 to 100% in the last two years, like in the suburbs and some areas like in Durham outside Toronto, of course, they're going to drop a huge amount because look what they did. If you look at the urban markets, Toronto, and I'm putting quotations here, only went up 36% the last two years, right, compared to other markets. But we're going to see that drop off as well. I'm looking to buy a house right now. I'm going to buy a house... this summer, which is going to be my 10 year house, because I don't care about the market right now. I care about 10 years from now. Um, But I think the only advice I would give is like, don't make a long term decision based on a short term moment in time Buy just with that long term outlook, because real estate is a really boring way in certain markets to make money long term. But there's going to be ups and downs along the way. Mr. Art, what are you saying? What do you think from your uh, much different perspective out there? Well, I think there's going to be more influx to New Brunswick. I think more buyers are coming this way. Interest rates climb. They got to look for the lower prices. I think we're going to see larger down payments. Um, I think we're going to see a lot less refinancing, of course. It just doesn't make sense. Even as an investor, if you can stretch out your current terms for another year, rather than refi at the higher rates makes more sense. And I think we're going to see a lot more realtors coming to New Brunswick and getting licensed <laughs> from Toronto. One, one, sure. one guy from our team literally is doing that. He's moving, he's moving Let's out go. your way. I got lots of room. License. Yeah. Well, and if I anybody wants to know what I think in the next six months or so, by the end of the year, I think, uh, it's going to get pretty ugly for a little while. Interest rates are definitely going to take their toll and affordability is definitely going to get worse in my opinion. And what will happen is at some point, the iBuying algorithms are going to kick in and the big corporations with hordes of cash who don't give a shit about the interest rates are going to buy a whole bunch of stuff. They're going to eat up a bunch of the market because the rental market's on fire and it will just make sense. And they'll be able to hold these until interest rates come down and they can refinance them at normal levels again. That's what I think is going to happen. And it will set a floor for the market. This is this is my... Re- so ro- robots. Your answer was robots. Well, my answer is always robots. Okay. <laughs> and somehow robots will fit into that answer. Guys... 
gals, everybody on the panel, thank you so much for your time on a on a Thursday night at seven o'clock. It was an absolute pleasure. We really appreciate all of your time. We'll, we'll post everybody's contact info and links. So if anybody's listening and they want to chat with any of our guests, their contact information is below. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Thanks for putting this together. That was yeah, that fun. was fun. Thanks, Thank guys. you, guys. Yeah. yeah, lots of fun. Hopefully I end this uh, properly. Nobody say <laughs> anything that will get you in any trouble for one moment. Thank you, everybody. Goodbye. What's the copay for my eye exam? How much is my lens allowance? What kind of frames can I get? And most importantly, who accepts my vision insurance? Vision insurance can be confusing. Luckily, Pearl Vision can help you make sense of it. They offer a wide selection of state-of-the-art lenses and brand name frames. Plus, they work with all major vision plans, including iMed. Visit pearlvision.com to find your neighborhood eye care center today.